Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine, taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the shows fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of under-the-radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com. On today's episode of Reinvention Radio. But the integrator is the person that harmoniously integrates all the major functions of the business and frees the visionary up to grow the business. And that's the magic formula we call rocket fuel. And so that's what that book's all about. This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Ulster hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Mary Goulet. Hello. Richie Ote. What's up, my brother? How you doing? How you doing? Doing great. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mary. Good, good. And we'll be joined here in just a moment or two by Gino Wickman. And uh, super excited to talk with Gino about his newest book, The Entrepreneurial Leap, uh, as well as you know, some of the past work that he's done around uh, Traction's a great book and uh, other other amazing books that he's put together. So really excited to, to talk to Gino here in just, uh, just a couple of minutes. And uh, in the meantime here, I feel like it's been at least uh, a couple of weeks since the gang has been together here because last week we weren't together. Um, right. So I, I miss you guys. How, uh, bring me up to date, Mary, what's going on in, uh, in Maryland. Let us know, uh, how, how, how things are hanging over there in Encinitas. Oh, I'd like the sun to come out here, by the ocean, but everything's good. Life is, you know, my rentals are book solid, which is so good. funny. Good. Just overnight, everybody came flooding back into the rentals, which really? is, yeah, huh. I'm booked until September 9th. In wow. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Straight through, huh? Yeah, it's good. Oh, that's, um, that's amazing. And, uh, and, and you took care of the bee problem. So no more, hundred. what'd you say? A hundred pounds of bees or whatever you had in your wall? Ten so, pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So no more, no more pounds of bees in the wall. So no more free honey out of the wall, but you know, no, given the choices, I guess. Ready to go. Yeah. Nice. Richie, what's going on by you, man? A couple of weeks uh, since we chatted, how's the family holding it, holding up? Everybody good? Yeah, everyone's good. I'm, yeah. Olivia's getting more involved in the whole, you know, production into stuff. She's digging it. She's even on the website redesign. I just need to change one thing. And she's like, even in on the color palettes, like, no, no, yes, yes. You know, so it's, it's been fun. She's been, she's been having a good time. Entrepreneur awesome. in the making. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my uh, my youngest wants to create an online course, uh, helping people make money off of OfferUp and some of those uh, types of apps out there. I mean, he's been buying and selling shoes, and he's thirteen, right? So buying and selling shoes, and just kind of into that whole world. That I, I had no idea how crazy that world is. You talk about, and we'll bring Gino on here in a second, and Gino, you can chime in now. You know, obviously at any point here, um, but you know, you talk about uh, just a, a world that is so foreign to me. And you look at what's going on in that whole world of, of apps and you look at obviously what's going on with retail and you know, retail is getting hammered given everything that's going on. It, it just seems to me like there's this whole, and I don't, I don't even want to call it a cottage industry, but you know, when you're, when you're an old geezer like me, it, it's like, I don't even know all this stuff exists. And, and here we are day in and day out. He's telling me about all these, these drops, which is a thing evidently on, uh, on all of these apps where they will, they will do a drop, which basically means it's kind of like a product launch, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about um, just like what Apple used to do and then what people do in the online marketing world, they build up this interest, they build up all of this momentum and they create uh, basically uh, like, a, like an interest list, so to speak, almost like you would do with a product launch in online marketing where people provide their name and email address to you know, be made aware of when something is going to happen. Well, in this world, you provide your, your name, sometimes your email, mostly just your phone number, and you'll be put on that list to be notified when something quote unquote drops and like Supreme will sell out $100 t-shirts and like 10,000 of them in like four seconds. 
like these shoe companies are dropping special editions where they'll do like there was a uh, there was a Ben and Jerry's edition shoe that came out. Uh, I believe it was in partnership with Nike, but it was like a Ben and Jerry's thing. It came in like, you know how they have those tubs, like you eat from the big round tubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm talking about with the ice cream comes in. Yeah. So it was a, an oversized ice cream tub looking thing with a Ben and Jerry's, you know, specific shoe in one of those tubs kind of thing. Uh, it dropped and it was like, I want to say it was like a $300 shoe. And then on resale almost immediately, it was like three grand or more for that pair yeah. of shoes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just real quick, a little bit, because Trish does some of this stuff too. Marketplaces offer up all that stuff. Yeah. And that it's the arbitrage in what you're talking about. These people taking advantage of the drop, but what they're really, it's like they know that secondary market is going to be so big that these people will will buy that first edition so fast because they're going to make the money in the secondary market. So it's it's like win-win, literally. Yeah. My, yeah. my friend Heidi, her son has been doing this for a couple of years. And it was doing buying exactly what you're saying. Like pulling yeah. the trigger, buying something and then selling it in the secondary market. Same thing he's doing. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, given everything that, that's going on in the world, you know, I mean, times are tight and, you know, it's like people are losing jobs and unemployment being where it is and so on. And then you see this, this shoe. I mean, come on, when I was a kid, like I remember buying gym shoes as a kid. And if that pair of shoes was like $40 or something like that, that was like a lot growing up as a kid, you know? And, and now you, you look at what these kids are buying and it's, it's become this whole cottage industry just around footwear as an example. And then again, just in all of these different pockets, you're seeing these influencers come up where they are literally being paid like Travis Scott, right? I mean, perfect example, Travis Scott, who ended up doing uh, a concert on Fortnite. I don't know if you, did you catch wind of this, Richie? Did you see that? Yeah, I did. For so, sure. so he did. So, you know, obviously with live concerts and whatnot, really taking a hit, a hammer in here, the, the music industry was like, well, you know, we got to obviously try to do something. So we're trying to do, you know, maybe we'll do something virtual. Maybe we'll do this, that. They did a concert in app in Fortnite. So basically you go on to Fortnite, somehow you maneuver your way around to where this, this concert land is. Now I am a Fortnite, like I got nothing when it comes to Fortnite. I know nothing about it, but they had millions of people watching this concert. Millions. Like, I mean, it was unbelievable. And so they, so a lot of these companies are hiring people like Travis Scott to do something like Reese's peanut butter cups. The, um, they have a cereal Reese's peanut butter cup cereal, right? I don't know if you guys have seen that or whatever it's called, but, um, they, Travis Scott had a special edition Reese's peanut butter cup cereal box that he designed and put his picture on and this, that, and the other. And they did a limited run on that on, on resale on that first run, that, that, that $4 box of cereal, is selling for you know hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars. So you talk about the arbitrage, man, and, and where the opportunities are. Like, and it's a, and I'm just super excited to have Gino, uh, Gino Wickman on with us today, uh, because this this whole world of entrepreneurship and what it means to run a business is is literally changing by the millisecond. Gino, is that is that an era you're familiar with? Have you have you covered that at all? Are you familiar with what we're talking about? None of the above in terms of the specifics, but and from a historical standpoint, yes, I can speak to it from a historical standpoint and a thousand years of entrepreneurial history. So it's mm-hmm. what's happening is they're timeless trends and they'll be going on for the next thousand years. So it's just really fascinating. But in terms of Fortnite and shoes dropping and all that stuff, no, it's impossible to keep up with it at all. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, so one quick thing before you introduce sure. Gino, because I think it yeah. sets the tone for, for all this is, you know, we've kind of, you, you mentioned this many times with your, what is your what, and kind of like, are people born to be entrepreneurs or not? And I've, I've actually thought yes, with an asterisk. And I, and I think more, there's way more entrepreneurs born than 
end up being entrepreneurs, but I think we've just had this such a narrow definition of what that is, or just these few examples that we always put on pedestals is what that looks like. And sometimes an entrepreneur, like there could be a perfectly happy entrepreneur that's making $180,000 a year and taking care of their family and they're not trying to scale and exit and do all these things. And so just really, I would, I can't wait to talk to Gino about just just kind of what is an entrepreneur in his mind and is there, does he see this element of usually getting pigeonholed in a certain way or if he thinks there's a lot more levels of entrepreneur? Yeah, well, um, how about this? So since Gino is actually here and listening and can hear you and see you with those exact questions, uh, any, any particular element of that you wanna, you wanna jump in on uh, right out of the gate here, Gino? Yeah, if we're, uh, if we're diving in, first of all, excited to be here, really looking forward to this and love your conversation. Uh, so, so I'm an in, introvert at the end of the day. And so if we're sitting around having a drink, the four of us, I'm going to listen to the three of you talk until you ask me a question. So for what that's worth, I'll take that as the launching point for this introvert to open up a little bit. Um, and so, oh my God, I'm listening to all of this and uh, there are so many thoughts coming to mind. And so I just want to grab that most recent one that you just said there. Um, and, and I want to lead into it by saying, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to go deep into all of this content. But, you know, I certainly believe you are born an entrepreneur. I believe every true entrepreneur has six essential traits. Hopefully we'll get into what those are. I'm an open book. I want to teach people that are listening. So, so let's go deep. Um, with that said, contextually, this book that I wrote, I wrote it in three parts. And it's a passion project to help entrepreneurs in the making get a huge jumpstart on taking their entrepreneurial leap. And my goal is to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making over the next 10 years. The book, book is written in three parts, as I said, confirm, glimpse, and path. And, and what you're actually talking about, Rich, is the, the glimpse portion of the book. And I had this aha moment, and uh, it's a really cool tool that I created that's free on the website that I'm about to talk about, but we, I go really deep into it in the book. And what I believe is that, you know, not all entrepreneurs are built to be successful in every business. And I really believe each individual entrepreneur is built for something, is drawn to something. And so I created a tool called My Biz Match. And, and what it is, is it's helping you as an entrepreneur in the making clearly understand the perfect business for you. And what I get into are all of the industries that exist, first and foremost, so you can start to feel what you're drawn to there. Then I get into types of businesses, meaning when we talk about business, you need to decide, are you a product person? Are you a service person? Are you a B2B entrepreneur? Are you a B2C entrepreneur? Are you a high price, low volume entrepreneur? Are you a low price, high volume entrepreneur? And then we get into sizes. And this is what you're talking about, Rich. My, my impassioned plea to the entrepreneurial world is that being a tech billion dollar unicorn is not the only path for an entrepreneur. And it's dangerous how these people are celebrated because there's no shame in having a $3 million heating and cooling company that generates a 20% profit. And so my biz match and this whole conversation and what I teach in this third part of the book is all about freeing that entrepreneur by saying, oh my God. So yeah, so I can go down a path and, and go to trade school and learn how to fix a freaking air conditioner and a heater and 10 years from now have a $3 million company that's all mine. So there's just so much more than, you know, what's being celebrated. At the same time, there are people that will read this book and become tech unicorn billionaires, but there's just so many more options. And what I do is enlighten them, hence the word glimpse as to what's possible. Online, they just click on a bunch of buttons, out pops the perfect answer. Here's the perfect business for you. So long dissertation, but there's the answer to that question from my humble opinion. Yeah, great. Uh, great. And just introduction to, to kind of who you are and your, your focus around this. And I don't want to get into a whole bunch of bio stuff and whatnot, but I will ask you this question uh, because people can find it. Look, Gino Wickman, he's well-known author. Go look him up. Google, Google him. I'm not going to waste time on all that back stuff, but I do want to hear from you uh, directly, what, what qualifies you to be this entrepreneurial expert? Like, because again, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who are out there and they're saying, you know, those who can't teach and, and those who teach can't and like, you know, that sort of thing. And so I, I just want to kind of break that, 
that perhaps misnomer that some people have around who you are and what you've done and what gives you the right and when your qualifications, so to speak, to be able to teach entrepreneurship at all. Yeah, so I really appreciate that because I'm a fanatic about that. You know, there's not one ounce of theory in what I teach. I'm obsessed about proving what I teach a bunch of times, experiencing personally what I teach a bunch of times before I even feel comfortable sharing with the world. So lightning fast version of the story that leads us to today is um, 18 years old, entrepreneur in the making, mislabeled derelict, lost, confused, insecure, new college was not for me. I did not go to college as all my friends went off. I wanted out of academia as fast as possible and found my way, bumped along lots of different entrepreneurial endeavors, uh, ended up taking over a family business at 25, uh, took on a company that was in dire need of a turnaround, deeply in debt, turned the business around in three years, ran it for seven years, got it very healthy. Then we successfully sold the business. I stayed on for a year and a half to transition in the new leadership team out of Virginia and then retired from that. It was around age 29 when I really realized what I was and that I was an entrepreneur. And so then I set off from there to help entrepreneurs. And I created a system called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And so in the last 20 years, what I've built is a company and a system where we now have 100,000 companies running on that system. There are 374 EOS implementers all over the world that are helping companies implement that system. I've sold over a million copies of my books. There are five books around this topic. Traction is the bestseller of all of them. Traction is, I probably sold, we're closing in on 2 million copies, but it, we're almost at a million copies with Traction. And so all that said, my life has been entrepreneurship. I've built and sold two businesses. My dad is this amazing entrepreneur. It's in my blood. Um, and so with all of that, I decided um, 10 years ago that when I turn 50, I'm going to put my focus then on helping entrepreneurs in the making. And so I sold the business EOS Worldwide two years ago, started writing this book, and I'm now pouring my energy into this focus. And the goal is to impact, as I said, a million entrepreneurs in the making. Um, and so what I'm doing now is going to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey. And I'm quite frankly, teaching my 18 year old self from my wounds at that age as an entrepreneur in the making. And, and if I had this information and content, I would add an 11 year jumpstart on discovering what I was. Mm -hmm. so whether you're 13 years old as your son is, and so that's near and dear to my heart, you've got an entrepreneur in the making there, please have him read this book. Or 93 years old, the age is irrelevant, but yeah. I'm helping what I call find the 4%. I believe it's about 4% of the world has these six essential traits, are true entrepreneurs. I'm helping them free themselves, discover what they are, and become why they were put on this planet. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to give Mary an opportunity here to jump in in one second. But before that, I just want to dissect the, uh, the, the exits. If you listen to my shows, uh, in our shows here between Reimension Radio and Beyond Eight Figures, we try to get, you know, as clear and as specific as we possibly can here. The, the question then is, as far as the family business is concerned, what were they doing in revenue when you joined? What were they doing in revenue when you exited? And what was the exit for? So uh, what did we sell for? Yeah, exactly. I, I won't disclose that, but the business was doing $5 million in revenue, the, the family business that we sold. Yeah. Um, in honor of my dad, I won't disclose that. Uh, sure. He won't keep that confidential. Um, we were third, third, and a third partners when we sold. Um, so it was, but it was doing $5 million in revenue. Got it. And then as far as the, the EOS, how, how was the valuation figured on, on, on that? Because that's always a, a complicated number to get to. How did you come to a valuation that you agreed to? And are there any terms of that that you can disclose in terms of what you were doing revenue-wise or what the exit was? Yeah, and I can't disclose that exit, but what I can do, people can do the math out there, sort of, but, uh, but EOS Worldwide, so I made a lot of mistakes with selling the family business and learned a lot through that, um, that helped me have a better sale around this business, but we built quite a business. So um, I had a partner, Don Tinney, in that business. Um, he was a minority partner. I own the majority of the business, but we built quite a business that generates a 50% profit. Even to this day, it still generates a 50% profit. That business has grown 40% a year for almost 15 years. 
Um, and, and so, you know, we did really well from that standpoint on selling the business. In terms of how the, the valuation was derived, it was basically nine times earnings is what the math comes out to. And, um, um, and revenue-wise at exit? Uh, I don't think I can share that with you in fairness to, uh, but we did well. And it was was it a, sub, sub 10 or, or, pro, or above 10? It was an eight-figure sale, Yeah, uh, well above 10. Awesome. Yeah, congrats on that. Just trying to give a little bit of scope and parameters around it because, I mean, we all know the numbers here and the large, large majority. I mean, I, I think at one point I had read a stat that said that less than 1% of all businesses will ever reach eight figures in revenue, let alone an eight figure exit. I mean, it's just like, it's a, it's a tremendously small number. I don't know if you have stats to, to share as far as that's concerned. And then uh, let's get over to Mary for, uh, for questions as well. But did you have any stats as far as that's concerned in terms of uh, revenue and, and what you see percentage wise and so far as businesses that reach certain thresholds and, and maybe even as far as exits are concerned? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't, you know, I know that it's, you know, less than 1%, you know, exit yeah. those kind of dollars. And I, you know, I, I, I feel bad being cryptic about it, but it's just not fair to uh, the private equity firm that bought the company to the partners involved. Um, but, you know, I think that is enough math to give people an idea of, of what we sold for. And it was, it's a great success story. I still sure. own 12 and a half percent of the business. Um, nice. the business continues to grow at 40% a year. Um, they, they fully expect, you know, whenever they sell this business and they're doing a 10 year hold is their plan that, you know, the check they give me the second time around is bigger than the first time around. So I like that. That's the goal, but obviously that means everyone else involved is going to win. We'll see sure. what happens. I'm thrilled with what happened and, uh, it'd be nice if it happened again, certainly. You, you yeah, get a get a jail free card on this one anyway, cause you're on reinvention radio. Steve would, Steve would grill you more if you were on beyond eight figures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. Mary, let me uh, let me turn it over to you for some uh, for some Geno time. Okay, so <clears throat> earlier in the call, Richard mentioned you know there's a guy an entrepreneur making 180 doesn't necessarily want to scale, and then there are people who do. What do you think are the qualities, or what have you recognized for the person who's happy doing a few hundred thousand? But what does it take for that person to do 5 million, 10 million? You know, just yeah. like traits, qualities, what they learn, experience, good luck, bad luck. Sure. So um, I'm going to create a little context around this, indirectly answer a lot, a lot of that, but let's dig as deep into this wherever you want. But one of the things I teach in the book is something called the entrepreneurial range. Okay. And so if you picture this arc or this spectrum, uh, entrepreneurial range on the top. If you picture then to the right side, the far right side of that range, the words true entrepreneur. And on the far left side of that range, you picture the words self-employed. Okay, so that entrepreneurial range is where all business owners reside. And so they're all somewhere on that range. And what I'm teaching the world and what I'm searching for the world is what I call true entrepreneurs, okay? And so true entrepreneurs are the entrepreneurs on the right half of the range that build companies with employees. And those are the people that have six essential traits. And we can certainly get into those pretty quick here, hopefully. The point in this is the people to the far left side of the range, these are your one person shows, you know? And so this is your consultant, your freelancer, your person with a side hustle. On the far right side of the range, you have the greatest entrepreneurs of all time, Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, Sarah Blakely, Oprah Winfrey. And so every business owner is somewhere on that spectrum. To me, a true entrepreneur, again, is that right half. The self-employed people, it's respectable. They're taking a risk. I have the utmost respect for them because, you know, let's take an example. Somebody who has handy skills can go become a handyman or a handywoman charging 60 bucks an hour and make a hundred grand a year doing what they love, never have an employee. And if they do great work, they're going to get referred for the rest of their life and they will never have to market and sell ever again. And so that's respectable, that's admirable, and, and that's some of those $180,000 a year earners that you're talking about. 
somebody that has the six essential traits can't help themselves but to build an organization and keep growing and pushing. And so for the person that says, I'm good with this hundred grand, I'm good with this 180 grand, amen and hallelujah to that. I wish I knew what that contentment felt like. Felt like. It, I, I mean, I, I, it's, I hear it's really peaceful. But my point is the, the handy person that goes out and they're making their hundred grand, 60 bucks an hour, if they have the six essential traits, all of a sudden they're gonna go, holy shit, if I hire somebody and have them do this, I can go out and land another job and then hire another person and land a job. All of a sudden they've got a construction company like some of my clients doing $100 million with 200 people. So the point is that true entrepreneur can't help themselves but to build something of an empire. But now let's go back to our earlier conversation. They might build a $3 million heating and cooling company making a 20% profit. They're still a true entrepreneur. They've got 40 people. So hopefully that helps create a little bit of context. So does it and or just re-ask or dig if I'm not answering your question? I guess I'm wondering, because you earlier said everyone could be born an entrepreneur. Yeah, so very specifically, you are born an entrepreneur. You cannot learn these six essential traits. And so let me hit them really quick, just so your audience can hear that. And what I urge, if you think you're an entrepreneur in the making out there, please scan your body with these six words I'm about to share with you, okay? And so the six essential traits are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And I believe with every ounce of my being and my 30 years of entrepreneurship and helping thousands of entrepreneurs, you are born with these traits. There's no school you can go to to learn these things. And, and anyone teaching a process or a system to be an entrepreneur, I just don't buy that because the truth of the matter is the only system that exists is a person with these six essential traits has an idea, launches a business, gets their ass kicked for 10 to 20 years, and then hopefully emerges a successful entrepreneur with a 50-50 chance of that happening. And so it's this messy, sloppy, crazy thing that you just keep getting your ass kicked and you keep getting back up. Ass kicked, getting back up. It's insanity. And, and it's not this pinnacle. It's not this destination. It's not like the ultimate career for all people. It's borderline crazy. And so to, to do something that crazy, you have to have these six essential traits. Uh, and so that's my humble two cents. It's a debatable topic. I'm happy to have that debate with you now, but uh, I believe you're born with those traits. And some people don't discover it until later in life, which is unfortunate. I'm just trying to help them discover it earlier. So does that answer it? Keep digging if I'm not answering your yeah, question. Yeah, it's better, definitely. Um, I kind of take issue with risk taker because I think you're either a risk taker or you avoid at all costs or you're somewhere in the middle. But to be an entrepreneur, I'm a huge risk taker. But well, my, I know people who aren't. Yeah, what's the exception you're taking? You're saying you know successful entrepreneurs who aren't risk takers? No, the opposite. I think, um, I don't know if I agree that everybody's born with the trait of being a risk taker. Oh, no, that's not what he said. Okay, clarify. Uh, he said, he said, he thinks true entrepreneurs, I'm oh, sorry, I should let you do it, but let me see, maybe oh, okay. you can correct me. This way we'll see if I'm wrong too. I think he, like Steve, believes you're born that way, but he doesn't think everybody's born with all those traits. He thinks entrepreneurs are born with those traits. So okay. if you're the entrepreneur only making 100, 180, eventually they're just like, oh man, like I'm bored or something, right? They, they got to solve a bigger problem. They got to do something bigger. So he's not anti the people making 180, 250. No. He just wants to zone in on helping the people that were born with these six traits and make sure they can maximize their potential is what I'm hearing. Is okay. that right? Yeah. 100% accurate. And then watch this. Let's pretend that, you know, half the people have the trait and half don't. So let's pretend half the people on the planet had visionary, half didn't. Half the people were passionate, half didn't. Half were problem solver, half didn't, so on and so forth. Not everyone has all six. And when you start to do the math on that half and half hypothetically, you're down to 4% of the population has all six. And so that's why it's a small percentage of the world that's cut out to be a true entrepreneur. 
I mean, listen, we need doctors and accountants and I mean, we need lawyers. I mean, we need all the careers and professions. So, uh, so thank you, Rich. You've answered that perfectly. Uh, and hopefully that answers it for you, Mary. Yes. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me ask you this, Gino. And, and so my, you know, my take on it, and we've had this discussion uh, numerous times, is that, you know, it, it kind of boils down to the nature versus nurture discussion, right? And so from my perspective, nature always wins. Like, and that, you know, and, and Richie has a little bit of a different opinion on that. Mary, you know, kind of has a little bit of an opinion, but my, my take on it is nature always, always wins. And so as it relates to, to being uh, an entrepreneur, let me, let me just ask you this question then, which is, you know, when, when you, when you look at the, um, the, the, the entrepreneurial path in general, and some people seem to have an easier trek going down that entrepreneurial path than others. They just, you know, it's like, you know, and let's use concrete examples here, right? Like, like you, how about a, a Elon Musk as an example, right? Like you can look at what Elon's doing and, and yeah, he's had, you know, his own trials and tribulations and this, that, and the other, and they were a stone's throw away from bankruptcy and, you know, all this fun stuff. I mean, you hear all the stories, whatever. But now you look at the guy and it's like, okay, we got Tesla, we got Solar City, we got the Boring Company, we got SpaceX, right? All of those things, all of them billion dollar plus valuations in their own right, you know, PayPal and the exit and the whole nine. And then you have other people who just cannot seem to, even though they're entrepreneurs, they cannot seem to get past that 180K or whatever that number is in terms of annual revenue, in terms of annual take home, whatever you want to call it. Are there some people who are just simply, um, let me see if I can put this in a, in a friendly way here. Are they, um, are they delusional? <laughs> should, should they, would they be better? Yeah, would they be better off? The short answer, let's save them all time. Yes, they're delusional. They don't have all six essential traits. So there's a free assessment I offer at the website. Go there, take the entrepreneur in the making assessment. If you score 90 or higher, you probably have all six essential traits. But I would say yes, because let's go back to my example of that handy person making 100 grand. Um, it, it's heartbreaking when that person is looking at their peers that build construction companies and they're going, why can't I do that? And they try and hire somebody and it fails or they try to take a risk and it fails. They, they just don't have all six essential traits and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Elon Musk redlines these six essential traits. Walt Disney redlined them. Oprah Winfrey redlines them. You, you, you can't try to compete with these people. Now, some people can, will, and do. I mean, Elon Musk is not a great example because that man is like the entrepreneur of all entrepreneurs. And there's nothing he does that, that's easy. He's incredibly smart, but he redlines these traits. And it's, and it's rare we have a local billionaire, Dan Gilbert here. I mean, it's, I have clients locally that will say, I want to be like Dan Gilbert. And I'm like, oh, stop it. You know, you, you mm. are no Dan Gilbert, nor will you ever be. Stop it. So, so maybe you're cut out for this great $10 million company, but you don't realize what these guys sacrifice and do to build billion dollar companies. It's not for everyone. It's a fallacy to think that everyone's cut out to do that. There is no perfect path. It is insanity what these guys do and what they sacrifice, but they're just driven because that's what they want. I, I, sold, I sold EOS Worldwide, any sane business person, if they looked at when I sold, you'd think I was crazy. It's literally worth twice as much sitting here today, two years after I sold. I could have waited two more years, got a check twice as big, and I could not be more peaceful. That's it, I tapped out, I was done. I built it to 200 people. That's it. It was not fun to me anymore. And now I'm building something else here. That's what I like to do is create and build. I know my sweet spot and I, I'm not cut out to build a billion dollar company. And I'm pretty fucking savvy when it comes to knowing business and how to build a business. But no way, man, I'm tapping out. I will not make those kind of sacrifices. Anyway, there's my impassioned plea. Uh, a short yes and then a long yes to the answer to your question. Yeah, it's really cool. jumping out like, of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I am jumping out of my seat over here because it's just like, I, I, I love this framework in that it helps really quickly when you look at the list, you think, well, yeah, of course, Elon red lines at all this. I mean, he could have packed it up after just selling PayPal, but he took that money and he was such a visionary. He divided it into, he literally made himself be broke 
created three other companies or whatever. And, and it's like problem solving in three different totally, I mean, maybe solar city and Tesla kind of play together because they need some batteries, but whatever, like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like he literally so is so driven, so wants to look to way into the future, go to Mars, whatever the, the damn thing is that this is like, he's got all six and he's redlining. So in your case, I, I, I'm just going to put you on the, not necessarily the spot, but maybe like you still got the visionary and you might redline visionary. You might be way up there, but you know, it's like maybe when it came to responsible or something, you're like, I don't want to be responsible for the billion dollar company. Like that's like, that's a whole nother level of people's jobs and this, I, I don't know, but I can start to see, cause I never really looked at it with that type of framework that you could almost see, you could almost foreshadow where the problems are gonna be when they're building a business just based on where they are in your assessment probably. And I know that, I know that so well having this experience that I know when to tap out for me and that's the power of this book. It's all in the book. It's this emotional, psychological, philosophical journey of self-discovery for the person because you see that and it's so freeing. Like I just did a, I created a three session virtual workshop that spawned out of a pandemic here. And so I took these 12 people through this workshop just to test an idea I had. And I call it one, two, three. And so I take them through that assessment, confirm they have the six essential traits. I then take them through what we're talking about, my biz match, and I get them to really think and decide on a business. And then there's a third tool we might get to called my vision clarifier. These are all free and downloadable on the website. So I'm not selling you anything here. And so what I did, each session was taking them through each one of those tools. And I call that one, two, three roadmap because I, what I learned is if I can force an entrepreneur in the making through those three things, it forces them to act and answer questions. But the point I'm making in all of this, 50% of them, the feedback when we got clarity around their business and they started to put that into a plan, they talked about how freeing it is that they don't have to build a billion dollar company. This is what they're all being led to think as you, you go be an Elon Musk stop it, man. And so you had people that wanted to build a $2 million company and a 10 million, a 50, and there was 1 billion in there and that's okay. But the point is, is it's exactly what you're saying, Rich. You totally get it where it's just totally freeing how we're being led to believe that the only destination is a billion dollar tech unicorn. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I've danced around uh, a lot of different industries for years. You, I'm not sure how much you know about my background, but I actually started online in 93, picked up the liquor.com domain in 98, uh, ran that through a failed IPO in 2000, and then eventually exited to IAC in, uh, in 2019 with liquor.com there. So long journey online. Wow. Uh, but, but I will say that the, the reality for me in, in looking at that experience was I hit a certain ceiling of limitations. I heard I hit a certain ceiling of abilities. You know, the reality is, and especially as we look at Beyond Eight Figures, which is our other show where we sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than 10 million or currently run businesses that gross more than 10 million annually. I, I will say that there does seem to be, to some extent here, um, a, a common thread of insanity. Like, I mean, it just, it's people who have and reach a certain degree of success are willing to do things that other people just look at and they go, that's just freaking insane. Right. And, and so, so to that end, as, as rebellious as I think I am here with my mullet that I'm now growing out, um, you know, and then this beer that's going to do whatever it's going to do at 50 years old. Um, you know, the, re the reality is, I guess I'm not really that rebellious and I don't really have that Elon Musk, you know, esque type of personality where I'm willing to do anything that it takes. And so I, I guess what I'm having trouble with and really understanding is we all have the same number of hours in the day. I mean, when you say these guys are doing all this stuff that other people aren't willing to do and this, that, and the other, what everybody who is an entrepreneur that I know says, well, that's not true. I work, I don't work as hard as I probably could. I'm taking the month of July off, you know, like all these things, right? So maybe I'm not working as hard as I could. Maybe I'm not really that type of entrepreneur who's willing to do whatever it takes. Because we didn't get to the point with liquor.com where it was just like this massive success. Now I was fighting with the board and that was a whole other discussion. But I guess what I'm just trying to really understand here is it's almost insulting to me that you say these folks are willing to do things that I'm not willing to do. And all the entrepreneurs that I know who are struggling, you know, to, to get to seven figures or eight figures, et cetera, like 
you ask them and they'll tell you they're working really freaking hard and they're doing whatever it takes, but maybe we're not. Yeah, that's so, so good. So it, it prompts two things. So let's bring two of these examples together. Elon Musk and this handy person, okay? This character we've somehow created on this podcast. Elon Musk can't help himself but create and build billion dollar ideas. He can't stop himself because he redlines this, okay? And so let's go back to that range. And when I do this talk and I share this range, I always tell the audience, put a dash on the line where you think you are. And so, you know, listening to you talk, Steve, I'd probably put you on the, you know, so let's pretend self-employed to true entrepreneur, redlined Elon Musk. I'd put you at the 70% mark on that line, okay? And, and, and Elon is at the 100, he is like all the way over there with Walt Disney, Thomas Edison, et cetera. And then that handy person, I would put them all the way to the left, okay? And so when I say Elon Musk can't help himself but create billion dollar companies and ideas, this handy person that's making 100 grand a year, again, the one that turns it into a construction company can't help themselves. But the person that doesn't have the traits, they're not going to default. So given the option between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. at night, they're probably watching their favorite TV show or I don't know what, but Elon Musk is not sitting there watching reruns of Friends for hours a night. So, it's, so it is choices, okay? And, and that should piss you off a little bit because I know you're not sitting there watching Friends every night and, it, and, and, and that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is the sacrifice. So there's a story of a billionaire. I won't say who it is, um, but he, has no time for his friends and a private jet. And the story I heard is the opportunity he had time to spend was he had to take a flight, a one hour flight somewhere. And that was the one opportunity he could spend an hour with his friend was that flight time. So the friend came with him on the flight so they can spend an hour together. Other than that, he doesn't have any other time to spend time with his friends. So he's sacrificing family time, friend time, things like that, that we're not willing to sacrifice. So please understand, I put myself on the line probably where you are. I take August off. Um, I take half the year off at this point in time. When I'm working, I'm working damn hard, but I'm not going to sacrifice all of that to build a billion dollar company. So mm -hmm. you're just hearing my, this one person's opinion on all of this and, yeah. and we could debate the hell out of the amount of time you and I have to, that we devote to our businesses. Certainly, we could leverage the hell out of that and probably accomplish twice as much through people. Um, but I think there is a point of sacrifice that you start to cross a line when you yeah. have a billion dollar empire. Well, and these things, they all play together. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just shy of like trying to stay uh, focused enough to not just go to Amazon to buy your book right now. But um, <laughs> no, actually, go ahead and do that. And then no, we'll I'll, I'll do it in the background here. In so if you see me looking down, that's all I'm doing. But um, what I love about it is these characteristics or these six um, skills or whatever abilities people need to have. The six essential traits, Richard. Oh, traits. There you go. Sorry. All right. Did you already buy it? <laughs> um, like it's, it, we can be passionate about a ton of things. So I think to really try to hone in on what you're clarifying here is, is you, you have to have those traits no matter what, but we're not just passionate about business. Like I'm super passionate about my family and I like to spend, I'm like, I already wondered why my daughter hasn't come in. They must've went to go do something. But um, so, you know, I know already that, there's no chance of me being driven enough to not see my friends and family for, to, to fly for one hour. Like there's zero chance, but I also know, and I wish I'd had something like this earlier. You know, when you learn enough about building a business, getting the machine, putting the, some of the automation and the systems in place, when you know where you like to play and what you're good at, you know who to hire better, you know when to step out of the way faster, you know, you know, when you get your ego out of the way, you know, you need smarter people. If your vision's so big, but you've never been there, you're driven, but you're not like 
riding people all the time. You might need better management, although that seemed weird. Like, I don't really mean you got to be riding people. I guess I was thinking of Steve Jobs right there. But, you know, it, these skills aren't, or these traits just aren't for business is what I'm getting at. We have these traits towards our families, towards our friends. We, we want to solve family problems too. And so how all those things play together, specifically in business in this case, is going to be your, you know, full left um, where they're just, you know, their vision's just not as big either, right? They just want to, they want to help the neighborhood. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Like, that's what I love about this whole system you have set up is you're not saying one's better or not. This is about self-awareness. Exactly. 100%. And let me just grab that one point. So when you talk about passion, it's such an important word because the red line true entrepreneur on that range, when we say passion, this is a ridiculous, undying, not normal level of passion for their product, their service, their idea, their thing that they will get knocked down a thousand times. I mean, Jesus, putting a, a rocket and landing the freaking rocket upright. I mean, come on. I mean, that who would have ever thought that 20 years ago? So they just put every, that passion is so strong, you know, Steve Jobs reality distortion field. So yes, then there's somebody who's passionate about their kid's little league game. And that's where that person's gonna put their time. They're probably not building a billion dollar company with that passion, but they're sure the hell passionate. So again, yes, it shows up all different ways. Let me, uh, let me chime in here, Mary, just get, since we're on the Zoom thing, it's always hard to tell rather than being in studio, just raise your hand at any point if you want to jump in here. But let me, um, let, let me ask you this, you know, what we have found on, uh, on Beyond Eight Figures, Gino, is that oftentimes there, and, and, you know, with Michael Gerber and the work that he's done and, you know, some of the people who create all these different categories of different types of thinkers and entrepreneurs and so on, you find that there are people who are the visionaries and who have this, you know, I can picture this. And then they bring in someone who helps to bring that to fruition. Is how how important is that that executor, that operator, that number two in in the scheme of the entrepreneurial uh, trek that so many of us try to try to make? And, and and can is it possible for visionary type people to work effectively with those who actually execute? Yeah. So so. So I wrote a book called Rocket Fuel. So this is the exact topic you're talking about. So I created a terminology 20 years ago called Visionary Integrator, okay? And my strong belief, and it's important you, important you understand the world I live in, and that is an entrepreneurial world of 10 to 250 person privately held companies. So picture those companies, hard charging entrepreneurs that build 10 to 250 person companies. My strong belief is that founder is typically a visionary, as I call it, and that visionary needs to be counterbalanced with an integrator. So if you use the traditional titles, you've got your CEO, and maybe you call the integrator president, COO, general manager, but the integrator is the person that harmoniously integrates all the major functions of the business and frees the visionary up to grow the business. And that's the magic formula we call rocket fuel. And so that's what that book's all about. So if your listener wants to learn about that, yeah. that's where you find that. But to answer your question, um, first of all, the statistics, my belief is 4% of the world are visionaries. This is what we're talking about, entrepreneurs in the making. Only 1% yeah. of the world are integrators. These are very wow. unique people. And so visionaries, get out there, hurry up, get your integrator because they're going to get gobbled up. And so this integrator term, I've made it very popular. We've made it very popular, but it's so powerful when you understand that dynamic. So with that, yes, a visionary needs that. In rocket fuel, we talk about readiness factors and a lot of visionaries just aren't ready to let go to an integrator. Uh, one out of every 20 visionaries has the rare ability to do both. I'm actually one of those. And so what they're able to do is be visionary and integrator for their organization until they reach a level of capacity that they can't do both. And so I have a client that waited till 100 million till they hired their integrator. And then I've got some savvy enough to hire their integrator instantly when they start their business, just like I did in finding my partner, Don Tinney. So the short answer is it is absolutely vital. And I teach it in this new book because I talk about the nine stages of building your company. One of those stages is you have to decide when you're gonna bring your integrator on. And I urge you to do it as soon as possible because again, it's gonna free you up to grow that company even faster. 
That's what builds great empires is a visionary with an incredible integrator to counterbalance them. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I figure I, I'd set it up there a little bit so you can knock it down. Cause, uh, that's a, uh, it's a great book and, and a really great concept that, uh, that, that uh, again, with, if you just create a library, if you are an aspiring entrepreneur, if you simply created a library of Gino's books, uh, you do pretty well for yourself moving forward. So, you know, definitely want to uh, make sure that we give you the opportunity to share where people can go. I know you got the Entrepreneur Leap and some other resources as well. Uh, but before we let you go here, Gino, uh, Mary or Rich, anything else to add uh, or to ask of our good friend Gino, who has so graciously given us uh, you know, nearly an hour of his time here. So thank you for that. My pleasure. So I just have one probably a silly question. Like if you're putting it out on Indeed, what are the, how do you identify the integrator? Oh, that's mm. so good. So here's, so my co-author on Rocket Fuel is Mark Winters. And by the way, you should have him on. He's awesome on podcasts and you can go really deep into this top podcast. So he and I are on a mission to pull integrators out of wherever they are hiding right now. And so these people are in universities, they're trapped in the corporate world, itching to get out, so they're, they're everywhere, okay? And this is a unique talent and it pays really well. So that's the mission is to pull them out of, from wherever they are. Um, with that, fortunately, the term is becoming very, very, very popular. And so we're doing a pretty good job there, but we got a lot of work left to do over the next 50 years. Um, and so you're, gonna, you're seeing the term show up more and more often. So for what I would say for now is for the people that don't understand integrator, call it president, GM, COO, because they'll understand that, but hand them a copy of rocket fuel. And so that's what we have is we have integrators putting themselves out there, looking to attach themselves to visionary entrepreneurs and just saying, read this book. And it's a light bulb moment for them because that's exactly what they've been looking for. So that's one, one example, one idea. Perfect. Okay. Rich, anything for uh, Gino before we let him drop? Yeah, it's so funny that you bring that one up, Mary, because it's it's literally like perfect segue for mine. It's like I I know I'm way more towards the visionary than towards the integrator, and I've just done everything for myself my whole life, so I know where my bandwidth problems have been and what I could have done better. And you know, I want to help other people because of what I've learned, um, and so I almost feel like. Mary's um, like one of the things I want to do is I think even more so the visionary going out and saying their vision and stating their vision, staking their claim online, whether it's social or going live or making podcasts or whatever that thing is. And just having the, the huevos or the courage or whatever to, to tell people, Hey, I'm, I want help. I'm looking for people who want to see this vision happen I think we could give a little bit of a, you know, I think, I think an integrator wants to see like was wanted to see that vision happen. And, you know, Paul Allen, like all these people that the number twos, they still wanted to see the vision. They just didn't want to be that person that was out speaking this vision as much. So I think just getting out there and us doing that, do you see that as a good way of, of potentially finding an integrator too? For sure. And there are recruiters out there that specialize in hiring integrators. They use that term. And so look at uh, Keystone Search is a great example. There's a bunch of them. I don't remember what they are, but if you go to rocketfuelnow.com, you'll see more of these resources there. But you're also, you'll also see where people actually post. So integrators are posting uh, for jobs and attracting visionaries. But yes is the short answer to that. Um, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. All right, let's do this. We'll give you an opportunity here to share best places for folks to go. So uh, you shared a number of different resources. You obviously mentioned rocketfuelnow.com. There's the, the, the series of books that, uh, again, every entrepreneur and aspiring entrepreneur uh, should absolutely check out from Gino Wickman, G-I-N-O, Wickman, W-I-C-K-M-A-N. Uh, but Gino, where, where is the best place? If you were going to send them to one place right now, well, what's the best place for folks to get started at? epicenter of everything is e-leap.com. And so if you are an entrepreneur in the making, go there. If you are an entrepreneur who is passionate about helping entrepreneurs in the making, 
please go there because I've got a ton of resources to help make you a great mentor to those people. So e-leap.com is the epicenter of all things Entrepreneurial Leap. And then it'll direct you. If you're looking for EOS, it'll direct you to the right place from there. Rocket Fuel to the right place. So you can find everything through that website. All right. Terrific. Gino Wickman, really appreciate you joining us here on Reinvention Radio. We're going to let you drop here and uh, again, check out everything that Gino's got going on at e-leap, L-E-A-P.com. And uh, of course, Amazon and everywhere we're fine books are sold. So, so, you know, thanks, man. Really appreciate you joining us here on Reinvention Radio. Man, I tell you, Richie, it's, uh, I knew this one was going to be near and dear to, to your heart. Mary, you know, obviously as the entrepreneur that you are, uh, near and dear to, to yours as well. Any, um, any, any final thoughts for the aspiring or, uh, or, or current entrepreneur as it relates to today's conversation, Rich? I would say if you're in, it, it, I didn't realize how much the self-awareness game played in this early on you know sometimes you get caught in the vision so much that and i can't say that i'm just finding that out on this particular podcast like obviously yeah. i've known that it's been it actually a lot since been doing this podcast with you guys um just you start to you start to hear so many similarities you know we not only have this show but we have the beyond eight figures and so you start to hear so many similarities and then you start to hear these, yeah, but I probably wouldn't have gone that far in that. And, then, and what it really just comes back to, it really is kind of these, you know, there might be others, but this is his vision of it. Um, six traits. And if you redline those, then that's those things that we call unicorns, but are they really yeah. unicorns or is it just because there's only that many people who redline on them all? So yeah, just another example of just how much knowing yourself and building something around you being you, how important that is. Yeah, I was I was afraid to ask at any point here, but but Mary, did you know what he meant by red line? Did you know? Did you know? Oh, I think it's like he's just humming at the strongest level possible. Yeah, no it's yeah, 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 for sure. It's one there's of those. Uh, red red line is is the phrase for your your RPMs. You know, you're just yeah, yeah. you're about ready to blow the engine on all of those. Yeah, he kept using that over and over again. I kept thinking to myself, I wonder if everybody actually knows what that means by redlining. But um, yeah, exactly. There you go. So, Mary, anything to uh, to to wrap up here with, and in, insofar as the entrepreneurial conversation is concerned that we've well, had here today, not not a lot. I was just thinking it was interesting that I didn't hear the word inspiration because I, I I know visionary, being passionate, but for me. Ideas, it's not a mental process. The mental process kicks in after the inspired thought of, I think I want to create this business mm. drops in. But I could have brought, I should have brought that up with him to get his yeah. perspective on it. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting and just kind of reading between the lines a little bit on what you're saying there. I mean, I would agree with you uh, that, that good ideas are, are a dime a dozen. You know, and there there are no shortage of of good ideas. You know, and and we can certainly look at some of the companies that have been successful and 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 scratch our heads and go, yeah, I didn't I don't I didn't even I, out of the gate I wouldn't have even thought that was a good idea. You know, so it's it's so weird in 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 the world of business how mm -hmm. certain ideas are just like on the surface kind of dumb and then they end up being these big things and then uh, other ideas that seem to be just absolute like no-brainers that should be huge don't succeed you know and and I think it really just boils down to execution you know no matter how you slice it it's it, and, and even as he said there are four times as many visionaries as there are integrators so just using those you know there's just very simple math here you know, one out of four of those companies are going to succeed. And three out of those four companies are going to fail because there just aren't enough really great integrators to bring those visions to fruition. So, yeah, it's, uh, it was a great question that you asked too about finding the, uh, the integrator and where, you know, where do you find that sort of person? And do you use that terminology and are people familiar enough with what it is? Um, and I would say just given how long, you know, Rocket Fuel has been out and, and people talking about that, um, I do think it is actually a term that people can hire for now. 
Mm-hmm. So, alrighty, really good discussion around uh, entrepreneurship, and uh, and would love to see uh, as many of you guys, of course, as possible, share your thoughts uh, with us on your entrepreneurial journey. So we welcome those emails and uh, the connections with us. So whether it's uh, directly uh, on email, you can just simply uh, hit us up at uh, feedback at reinventionradio.com, I believe is the current email address there, or uh, come to reinventionradio.com there and just click on the, the contact button and you'll be able to reach us uh, as well. So we'd love to hear from you in terms of where you're at in your entrepreneurial journey. And uh, we will say goodbye at this moment and look forward to talking to you again really, really soon. So for Mary Goulet and Richie Ote and Kelly Pelker, I am Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. 